I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's nice, isn't it? I don't often go for bright colours, but this I quite like. I've established myself as a bit of a colourful girl recently. I'm in black today. Obviously, mm. no, I know I'm not a good example, but normally, I have, <laughs> normally I'm always black, but I have of late, I've gone for the teals and the blues. Yeah. And, yeah. Normally, you're always in black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, I'm a dark, yeah, I tend to be blue. I just suddenly realised as I was going through my wardrobe, a blue shirt, blue shirt, blue top, mm-hmm. blue trousers, blue jeans, everything's blue. I keep buying blue. Oh, um, I need to change up a little bit. We get stuck in our ways. That's I'm blue, stabba dee, da 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 da. Yeah, Who was in the that? That was. Um, don't uh, tell me. Um, uh, blue dabba dee. Kate Bush. Was, no. He said, "Don't tell her." Oh, Eiffel sixty-five. Thanks Eiffel just, that 65, was painful. You bugger. Ah, it's right. been a while, Mister Stott. How the day? Hi, Jojo. Yeah, it's been a long time since we were. Face to face in the mm-hmm. same room. How are you? Yeah, I'm good actually. I'm just discussing my abandonment abandonment is the word of a structured life. I am giving up my house and moving into a motorhome in September. You too. My mate's done exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what he's done? He's 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 a builder. Well, he's a joiner to trade, but does loads of work. Anyway, he was living in a flat in Lithgow, bought a bus, right? And it was the ex-team bus of you know, something like, you know, the England cricket team or something like that. But it was obviously like 20 years old or something. So he's gutted it mm-hmm. and put a bed in it and a sitting room and a kitchen and a shower. Yeah. This is like a single decker bus. This is like a big bus. And he's moved out and he's going to live in it. Marvellous. Marvellous. He's just going marvelous. to move in and just live in a bus. Yeah. Is that something and you would do? Because you've got the Chihuahua to think about. I do have Will of the Chihuahua, who may make a guest appearance if another DPD delivery man comes to the door. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think I'm too much of a, a homebody. I enjoy chilling out in the house and locking the a nice door. Hot yeah. shower. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, but, that's uh, interesting. Where, where are you going to go in your travels, Jojo? Well, just because um, because I'm never at home, Grant. So I'm kicking up and down the country, and every time any bills come out of my house, I'm like, I'm never there. So yeah. I thought about living in London, but it would be the same problem. So yeah. I'm Nottingham, Manchester, Liverpool. You know, I'm just everywhere. So there's no point. And yeah. Life on the just, road. Yeah. Life on the road for a bit. And if I don't like it, I can come back. So, Get a couple of GoPros yeah, in, in there and film it film and it, create yeah. an online yeah. documentary. On the go with Jojo. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Goodness, it's writing itself. I know. Funnily enough, you, the, men, the mention that you have a chihuahua, we have a big fan mm. in our listening to our podcast, Gowan Calder loves us. But she says we have to n- announce if people have dogs, what kind of a dog they are so that she can imagine them while she's dog walking. Well, I think we've just done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a it's, little black and white chihuahua, like a little mini collie. Ah, and just one, just collies. one dog. Just to one. Mm-hmm. There we go. There's a full story behind it. Um, because um, we had a dog and Charlie passed away. And it was like stepping away from the dog thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grant, can I just we say... We may or may not get to it, but we, we inherited Willow. Can I just say, I'm, I'm glad in a way you brought that up because I remember being in the car the day after Charlie left us. And I think you were still at fourth at the time. I was. And you gave something that I don't think I could ever do. It was just a really succinct thing about getting up that morning, him not being, um, it was a he, wasn't he? Sorry, yeah, I wasn't. It's just right. a misgendered someone at the weekend. I've not <laughs> recovered more of that in a moment. Um, but you gave a really succinct, you know, you got up, you made your coffee and did all that kind of stuff and you really held it together. And I would have mm. to say, I mean, obviously I've been familiar with your career since you were the face of Cameron Toll um, shopping centres. <laughs> but to be honest with you, and I remember all saying to Michelle, I mean, I'm not really keen on him as a person or professionally, <laughs> but how you you could have done that. I, I honestly don't know. And I mean that, that genuinely. Doing, that was the, the great thing about radio because, you know, over the years, just by accident, Charlie had become part of the programme because yeah. it would inevitably regale the listeners with the tales of what he got up to. That was the brilliant thing about dogs yeah. because they inevitably get up to stuff and they inevitably surprise you and make you laugh. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going I'm to tell that story tomorrow. Yeah. And you know, and that and that was it. So I just felt it was it was right because it was quite sudden when he died. Um, none of us were prepared. He, he hadn't been ill. It was just literally one morning we woke up. He's not looking great. Went to the vets, and within twenty four hours he was gone. Yeah. So it was it was that thing, right? I need to I need to share that, and that was that was what was great about radio. And what is great about radio? You can you can take the listen. And I, and I love just when you know you said I remember that moment. I remember that day. Yeah. And obviously I remember that day too. But there are I get that quite a bit people say I remember one morning you did this and you said that and I just stopped the car and I was having a and and it's that that's just that intimacy that you can get on yeah. uh, on on the radio and you know podcasts like this I guess as well mm. is it, are we recording by the way is this is this, yes. is this we have just, we started yeah we yes. just we just we just start. it's all very natural we're, we're not like <laughs> you with your short jock tactics <laughs> the poor man's Janice Forsyth coming out with some <laughs> nonsense about rebus no one's interested in that pish frankly <laughs> honestly and you can keep the your poor panto man's Janice for the poor man's Janice oh, Forsyth you don't know how funny that is honest to goodness <laughs> I mean really it, 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 I don't know am I speaking to you am I speaking to Des Clark both overexposed. That's funny as well. We it's do. often the funniest people that don't have the main exposure. <laughs> Box office poison. Box Shut office poison. Um, no, we do. We just jump in, Grant. We just. Um, well, we have we're no mid- option. We're mid conversation no. all the time with people. So. We have no option. We hope you don't mind go. if you would like us to start recording and do. No, it again. no, it's just so I know. Just yeah, I, was, yeah. I wasn't sure if I was. Yeah. I was, I was if I'd peaked already. No. <laughs> oh, I think you're probably about seven and a half years, <laughs> and that's being generous, love. I've seen you in panto phoning it in. <laughs> How is the money for that? <laughs> 
Not as much as you think, let me tell you. Bloody crossroads. I have heard that. I've always assumed that Panto was, you know, hundreds of thousands, but it isn't. Mm. Is it, it can be if it you're done French. It can be if you're the right level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly not. Mm. But uh, no, certainly for, for certain big earners in certain big shows, the money is absolutely off the scale. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, for your sort of uh, year in, year out, um, pluggers away like me and don't get me wrong I'm absolutely not complaining but um, sounds it like is. it recast 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 <laughs> some people are actually grateful for work but never mind <laughs> but then hello Des are you doing anything <laughs> oh sorry Des is already there <laughs> but because Panto is such uh, you you are a fixture of, of Panto in Scotland how was it then for the last couple of years when you weren't able to do it that must have felt oh, weird for that well, time of year a, it's, oh, it's been a roller coaster. Um, of, I mean you know, that first year that we didn't do Panto, we mm. were just all kind of stuck at home and didn't really know what to do. I've, I, you know, I, I did my first Panto in 1993. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of 1999, I've done Panto every single year. And that's pretty much the entire life of my kids. At Christmas time, dad yeah. buggers off and goes to the theatre. So they didn't know what it's like to have me around. Yeah, what so to it was do a with really, you? What to do with me? What, what, and I'm like, Christmas, that kind of just, that's something that happens in the house that I have mm-hmm. no part in. Claire does it all and, and all that gets all set up. So it was bizarre, but I was, compared to that one year I had out in 1999, uh, I wasn't, you know, everybody was off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, I've not got any work this year. Um, it was, it wasn't one of those. So it, it was, it was weird being around at Christmas time, but it was a, it was a weird Christmas anyway. Yeah. Um, so it was just everything was 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 nuts. So. And my timeline might be a bit off here, and I might be being a bit insensitive. But no, did clearly. that coincide with the passing of Andy Gray? Yeah, he had gone down to Milton Keynes. Uh, Why came back because the the theatre had closed mm, literally right. before they did their dress rehearsal, I think. And um, uh, he came back and tested positive a couple of days later. So he was, by the time Christmas Day came around that year, um, he he was in, had full-blown COVID, uh, so it wasn't great, um, but sent a message around everybody in Christmas morning with a glass of Prosecco and then took to his bed and was in hospital two days later and, and got into, into intensive care. Um, just as the new year started, and um, and that and that, and that sadly was was it. Um, he died a few couple of weeks later. And I mean, the passing of Andy Gray was a huge thing for you know Scottish theatre, and mm. but also the loss for Panto as well. Massive loss for Panto. Um, and what was nice about the, the Panto that we did do this year past because we knew this was our first Christmas back since COVID. It was our first or our last show at the Kings before they were closing for the redevelopment. But fundamentally, and most importantly, I think, for everyone, was it was our first show without Andy. Yeah. Now, we'd, had a, we'd, had, we'd done Panto without him, Beauty and the Beast, a couple of years before when he was going through his cancer battle. He came back to do Goldilocks and the Three Bears uh, when he recovered. And then the following year uh, was as discussed. So this was us back. And it was our first one without him. So we knew we had to do something. We knew we had to mark it. And, we, and not just for us, but for the audience as well. Because as you mentioned, he was such a massive part of of what the show had become in Edinburgh. And to so many people. And so, you know, that he was as big a part of the Christmas 
as Santa almost, you know, because he was, so, you know, such a big part of the show. So we knew we had to do something for him in the show. But at the end of the day, it's a panto. Yeah. People are there to enjoy themselves and, yep. and, and have a good time. So it's how do you get line. that mix? How do you get that moment? And we, Alan, myself, uh, and Ed Curtis, who's the, the sort of director and writer, the three of us deliberated long and hard. And Ed, Ed came up with a lovely idea. I came back and we sort of tweaked it a little bit. Uh, and then we worked again a little bit on the floor, but the magic bit was um, out of what's, what's normally the, the villain's demise, right. Is when I get, you know, banished or made good or, or whatever. Uh, was this little, little twist where I said, I'm, I'm, I'm evil through and through and, and nothing and no one's going to convince me that this needs a happy ending. Uh, and I know what you're thinking, Bruce. And, um, <laughs> and we talked about that. And how dare you? I never enjoyed it. <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> on the floor as well. um, and then, and then Alan would step forward and says, "I know someone, King Andy." And then at the moment, the, the audience just realised what was happening. And this was, you know, towards the end of the show, so it was a lovely mm-hmm. moment to do it. And then I would go, "Yeah, you, well, you've got me there, to King Andy," and everybody knew who we were talking about yeah. at that moment, right? And the fact that we put King made him a Panto character and put him and immortalised him in, in the world of Panto that we were in. Mm-hmm. And and it happened on the first night, which we weren't expecting, but the audience just applauded, rose, cheered. Mm-hmm. And this happened every single night we had that moment. And then we would step forward and sing this lovely song. And then a gauze came in behind us and this image of Andy just oh, came wow. up. Oh, wow. And, and the way it was placed was Claire, his daughter, who's who's joined us in the panto. Ed had staged it, so she was kind of standing in one position and Andy was right over her shoulder. And, you know, the toughest, toughest thing, but the loveliest thing I've had to yeah. do uh, in, in all the years that we've put the panto on. And... Um, and the and the, the the gutting thing was that we we had to close on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So there's like three weeks worth of audience that never got to see that moment. Yeah. And is that something you're going to replicate this year? Are you going to try and do something, or do you feel there's a moment? No, I mean, Andy will past as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's Andy. Andy will always be part of us. Yeah. Andy will. And you know the fact that Claire's on the show with us now. But I mean, Andy himself would go. Oh no, it's done. Oh no, 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 it's done. You know, we're not, we're not doing that again. Mm-hmm. You know, he would. He. I mean, he was. He, he would celebrate life, absolutely. Um, but he wouldn't dwell on, you know, anything like this. So we, we're, we're conscious that we don't want to overdo it. And but force we want something, to do it, yeah. Yeah, we want to do it right. So the way that we've worked things for, for Andy is, is quite lovely, actually, because we've, we've, we've given him, we, we placed him in the show at the Panto. And then shortly after that, there was a, a lovely episode that the guys at River City did for him. Uh, which I was in as well, which was which was really nice. And then on Alan's show that we did uh, in March, Alan and I just stood up and did fifteen minutes about Andy with clips and 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 we did this lovely thing because Andy and this this we talked about this at Panto. I says let's not, um, uh, you know, worry about the second half. This was always a variety show. I says let's you and I just get up and I says you know look at our phones. Our phones are packed with messages and photographs and videos from Andy. So why not? celebrate and sell the funny stuff, the personal stuff that the audience might not have seen before. Because the, 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 the variety show audience is pretty much our panto audience. Um, uh, so they'll be, they'll, they'll appreciate that as well. So we did, we put together this lovely little routine. We've got the big screen in, photographs, little video clips of, of our wind-ups behind the stage and messages that we sent to each other. We finished with this lovely moment. 
um, Andy had sent a video uh, on WhatsApp singing Gilly Gilly Austin Pfeffer, Katzenella Bogan by the Sea, which was one of his favourite little songs. Right? There's a tiny house by a tiny stream where a lovely lad had a lovely dream. And he just, he was, he'd set to the video. So Alan then came up with this idea, sent it to Pix, who's our MD, who then scored it. I mean, it was just, he just did it on video, but Pix managed to write a, a musical score to this video clip. And then the orchestra, the band on stage, played live while Andy was singing on the screen. And it was one of these special moments. And it just sort of, and it gave us a chance to yeah. give him one last bow. Yeah, at the give him his moment. And, and it was like, you know, let's let's do this for Andy. Let's let him have his his final you know, moment in front of the audience at the King's Theatre. And again, it was, it was, it's, and it's, it's, it's all thing you want, you can only really do in theatre. And it's yeah. a really bizarre thing, yeah. you know, with a, with an audience and, and it's the magic of it. And I don't know, I don't know why it works, how it works, but there's just some things like that. And it's that, that really emotional works. connection, isn't it? And also audiences do love getting a peek behind the curtain and, yeah. and seeing And we gave the them, scenes. we gave them that Andy Graney's pants. Is a <laughs> Uh, hmm. Oh, that is, that is lovely. Him. But I still miss him. I still miss him. And um, every single day. And, and this is what I've learned about grief is, uh, is <laughs> there is all of a sudden a big hole in your life. And when, when it first happens, you uh, you deal with it and you get mm-hmm. on with it. And it's very upset and everybody's upset with you. And that, that's absolutely right. And that's natural what happens. But then life does sort of return to a sort of semi-normal. But then all of a sudden you realise that there's something missing yeah. and it took me possibly even a year to, you know, I knew I was kind of out of sync a wee bit and it was, and it was because he's not there and it's yeah. because I miss his messages and I miss his texts and I miss him being there. You know, when River City came up, uh, oh. the first person I wanted to speak to and yeah. tell was Andy. Yeah, I and, did that for years with, with oh my mum and, and various people. You know, when something happens, you immediately reach for the phone. And I still do it sometimes with uh, people that have passed and go, oh, I must tell Chris. Oh, yeah. But that, yeah. that's and what I think they say about grief. It's about the fact that your love for the person mm-hmm. or the pet or whatever doesn't go away. No. It's no. just finding a way of redirecting that. That yeah. becomes your kind of compartmentalisation or to a degree acceptance or just dealing with it a bit better. But I also think it's quite interesting in terms of, of grief, actually, that it's the most powerful emotion that we, none of us escape from, you know, having it. But yet we mm-hmm. try to, we one, we don't talk about it. We try to put ourselves into denial that people that we love will die. And secondly, we try to protect ourselves, you know, by not getting hurt by other things. Mm-hmm. But I think we need that training in getting our emotions hurt in order to deal with the power yeah, of grief because definitely. it is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh. It is, and um, and it's the it's the little tiny things. I have a, a you know, it, it kind of struck me as I was crossing the road after uh, <laughs> after Pete, poor man's Janice Forsyth one afternoon. <laughs> uh, Come on, Jinty, loved- use your words. Because <laughs> <laughs> Andy loved the afternoon show because he's he loves his movies. He, he loved his his music and and plays and, and things in the theatre. So he was always dipping in to see what I was doing. And inevitably there would be a message or inevitably there would be a something on my phone as I was crossing the road at Hollywood to head back to my car. Mm. And um, and I missed those moments, you know, yeah. as well. It's like, because it's a bit of feedback about the show because he would really tell me what he thought and he would, you know, um, have a little, you know, thing to say about a, an interview or, or a film that I'd been talking about or whatever, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's ongoing. 
That's yeah. what I've learned. It's yeah. an ongoing process. And but I think laughter, I mean, we all, I think we all agree with that, that even sometimes the darkest moments, the laughter that can mm. come out of that is is part of the of the survival of it yeah. or the recovery. Talking of grief, your acting career still continues. <laughs> um, and it's funny that you mentioned River City. <laughs> Seamless, Bruce. Seamless. No, it's it's like I'm a like professional. <laughs> um, I'd read recently that the guy who had written River City, it was meant to be, it was primarily set in Leith. It was, um, mm. and then they'd moved it to Glasgow in to Shield one, yeah. Inch, where I believe there is no water running through it, which I thought, oh. that's, that's nice. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, do you think, how different do you think the, the show would have been had it have been set in Leith? Oh, I think it would have been uh, completely different. I mean, because it is, you know, River City is firmly rooted in the west coast of Scotland. Mm -hmm. So with that, there's the accents. With that, there's even the look of the tenement buildings mm -hmm. on the set. Um, and yeah, it would, be, it would have had a completely different feel, I'm sure, if it was if it was set through in Leith. Although, you know, where would it have been filmed? Would it have been filmed in Edinburgh on a set? Like, the, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it would definitely have had a, a, a sort of real different feel to it. And, um, Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It would have been interesting. I didn't know that uh, until I read that interview as yeah. well with Stephen. Um, 
but yeah, I thought it was really interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. It would have given it a completely different... Same if you'd really catered it anyway, if, you, if it was mm. set in Aberdeen, if it was set in Dundee, Perth, you know... It would, no, if it was set know, in Dundee, the set would have been Scotland. stolen. I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> it would have been stolen, put on bricks and <laughs> sold for parts. I can say that because I'm from there. Can I ask, because you're an Edinburgh boy <clears throat> and so much of what is televised or radio or whatever comes out of Glasgow, oh, and we've kind of discussed this on the show before, why do you think there isn't an impetus in which to do greater representation of Dundee, Aberdeen, the Highlands, you know, Inverness? Um, it all seems to be very West Coast. I get that even as an East, as an Edinburgh person. You know, I, I, you know, I've been, you know, I've been in this business for over thirty years, and you can be doing stuff in Edinburgh, and it never gets. You know, you never, you never, mm-hmm. you know, it never gets a, a fraction of the attention if something similar was happening in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, you know, <clears throat> and I've got, I've got to be careful what I say here, but you know, for for years, everyone used to say, "Oh, uh, Glasgow is the place for 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 panto." For example, it's like, "No, we've got a great mm-hmm. running show through here." Thank you very much. You know, and there's a great panto in Aberdeen that's been you know packing mm-hmm. them in for for years. But it's just because, and I think, and it's taken me you know this time, but all the media stuff is through there. Yeah. You know. STV's in scones through there. The BBC's pretty much in scones through there. Obviously, we've got studios and things in Edinburgh, but not to the degree they have there. So if people are looking for stories, if people are looking for talent, and people are looking for um, anything, they'll just kind of look out their own window. And, I mean, I, and I think that's kind of what it's been. It's There's been... I mean, I remember I worked... <clears throat> when I worked for, for the BBC Education Department, and we were making kids' TV programmes for primary fours and fives, and... Uh, the producer came and says, right, we've got this new series coming up and it's going to be about, you know, geography or whatever it is. Um, and we're going to be filming it in Dundee. And I was like, why, why are we going to Dundee? And she goes, because we never go to Dundee. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we never go outside of the central belt. And um, so we're going to deliberately take this up to Dundee and look around the Tay and look around, you know, Perth and all the areas around it. And um, it was. And I remember that back is, is that that would have been the sort of early to mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was that sort of feeling then. And, uh, and I still, th- I think it's, 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 it's improved slightly, but you know, I, I absolutely see your point. It, I mean, it is similar. It's, you know, when we talk about London, everything being London centric, it does tend to be Glasgow centric in Scotland. And there's been mm-hmm. made moves in England to take things to Manchester, Media City, yeah, all that kind right. of stuff. And but I think not needs, here. But not as, no. I mean, I, think I mean, it even does, that it does thing, need a shift, I think. Even that thing that Martin Compton, Compton, I can never know mm. how to pronounce his name. What was the thing he was in in Dundee? Jenny was in Guilt. it. No. Was it guilt? No, no. no. Um, it was set at Dundee oh, um, University. Um, Do you know traces. what? Traces. Traces, yes. Traces. And although Dundee was meant to be, oh, you know, so little of it. Oh, sorry. That was my, f- my oh, watch. Are you busy? <laughs> no, no, it just, it just was something. Is it another corporate coming through? Because <laughs> I'll take that up with Kenny Donaldson as well. I only got you on to actually shout at you. <laughs> so this is all just padding. I actually deeply I resent you. <laughs> no, but... That. but the funny yin and yang Jojo loves me and Bruce <laughs> just wants to and yet as a threesome we all work <laughs> I loop up love I adore you Grant and I you too. and so does Bruce oh do you Bruce know what I hate people bastard. that are false <laughs> <laughs> she adores every one of its suits um, what was it yeah so going back to traces although it was meant to be in Dundee so much wasn't filmed in Dundee and it's like either do or die like don't you know, come on. If Lorraine Kelly can live in Dundee, man, it ain't that bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tober mm-hmm. up, no, people. I, th- I think it will get better. I think it, I think it is getting better with regards to, you know, you look at the, 
it wasn't that long ago that Scotland hardly had a film studio that mm-hmm. we could that we could use. Now all of a sudden, there's, there's a big one in Glasgow, Kelvin Grove, I think that's 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 up and running. Aye, there's a shed in Leith with a camera in it. That's packed. <laughs> They've got some. And I mean, Martin Compton just finished a series in the air about the rig. So there's there's stuff coming and um, and utilising the. Uh, all the different cities that, that, that Scotland has, and it's stunning. I mean, it's, it's long overdue, long overdue. But there yes, has um, been talk for years and years and years near to where I live in South Queensferry. There's this whole sort of area that they were talking about making some massive, great big film studio. They've talked about it, and it's never yeah, materialised. Yeah, they were going to up at the Pentlands as well, and that mm-hmm. never happened. Yeah. And they were going to bring back Acorn Antiques, and that never <laughs> happened. So sometimes you just have to move on with your life, really, don't you? Do you think it is a wee bit depressing for? Or people who are names and in inverted commas have to go elsewhere. I mean, I know that people can launch themselves in Scotland, but without maybe a London credit or an American credit, they wouldn't have the profile that they would have coming from here, if you see what I mean. I remember speaking to someone that worked at Radio Scotland and they said, oh yeah, you know, we only boot people that are on Radio 4 because we feel as though that they have the profile or whatever that they're they're looking for. It's, it is an interesting one. <clears throat> Again, I think we're in different times now. Yeah. You know, I think I think it has it has changed. I mean, again, an example of that was when I was doing uh, fully booked in the nineties, yes. and we would have Zoe. They would fly up from London the, the weekend to come and do the show from from the studios in Glasgow, and it was that whole thing of. <clears throat> You don't have to be based in London to do London gigs. You don't have to be based. Mm-hmm. You can literally get anywhere now um, quickly, and that's that's what they do. And they, I mean, I know that at PQ, there's a lot of um, kids programs are still getting made there, yeah. and you know, presenters are getting flown up from Manchester. Shows that they're starting in Manchester are happening from from PQ now. Um, I think, and obviously, what's happened now with with technology, with, well, yeah, with because Zoom, we've all learned how to use Zoom contributors. You can be on the show from from Timbuktu, and you can still take part in in the program. So, I think the world has become a smaller place from that point of view. But there was definitely a time. There was definitely a time, and and I can see why you, you say that. And I I I felt that as well. But I think we are now in a place uh, where people are, and it's just getting seen a lot of the time. It's just getting seen, and it's and as a, as the as I mentioned earlier on about the West. East, rest of Scotland. If you're in Glasgow, you've got a better chance of being seen than you perhaps are if you're in Edinburgh or up in Aberdeen or Perth or whatever. Same as same as London. You're, you're, you've got a better chance if you're if you're there if you're in the city and you get to meet these people and, and get get put in front of them. What the would you do if you weren't doing what you are doing? Because you have had a very long career and a very illustrious career and you've done all mediums of broadcast, you've done, you know, live stuff, film, TV, whatever. What would you do if you weren't doing that? I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I am really, you know, I look, you know, I'm, I'm, I really, really realise how, how lucky I have been and how I've, I've always found, I think it's a self-employed mentality. You'll both probably get this. Yeah. Mm. You cannot rest no. on your laurels yeah. on one particular thing. You, because, you know, I've always just likened it to spinning plates. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I've got I've got the radio on the go, but then I also mm-hmm. get panto at Christmas and I do some sort of corporates and I'll mm-hmm. also be doing a wee bit of that. Oh, I'm going to try that. And it's all that, it's that fear of all the plates falling down yeah. and you having nothing. Mm-hmm. So I've never, I've never, I've never not done anything um because I was too scared. I've always tried things. I, I'm much happier trying something, dying on my arse and going, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
but you never know it might happen and more often than not I've been very fortunate that things have worked out you know be it starting in radio find yourself in, in children's television get yourself on stage that, that opened the door to, to working in Panto then I got in Panto and went right I grabbed that opportunity and, it's, and that's in any aspect of this job and I, and I used to say it to to kids who used to come into the studio and say how'd you get into radio the most difficult part of getting anywhere in this business I think be it radio be it television be it theatre to a certain extent mm-hmm. is getting your foot in the door is getting that getting that first break mm-hmm. to get you from being outside in and it's you know with radio it was come in and answer the phones and make tea and then learn how to drive a desk and then you'll so you'll start tea on a show and then somebody will be off and will be like can you cover mm-hmm. this afternoon and then you go on air and all of a sudden you get your you know your, your, your moment that was what it's Lorraine getting- Kelly said wasn't it that she did, was covering for somebody and then just that it it Continued, mm, mm. but you say about does, luck. It, you say about luck, and yeah, I mean, we all know that there's a lot of luck to be had in the business. No, you have to have ability. Yeah, you have you, to have talent. Yeah, but you don't sustain <laughs> a career because I always think it's really interesting when people who are really accepted are really lucky. Maybe at some points, but not to sustain something. The, the way that I look at it is, you're possibly then lucky to get yourself in the room, but you have to keep yeah. yourself in the room, and that yeah. is by virtue oh, yeah. of your ability and you know tenacity and. Also, in many cases, good manners and a, a good mm. attitude. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, don't be an arsehole. That's rich you know, coming from you. you know, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just sometimes like a word salad coming from her because you were just saying that. But again, she just likes to tramp on the laugh, as my friend would say. He said, don't be an arsehole. And I'm going to fling that back open to you because you really are a grade A one. This is a woman that extinguishes cigarettes in her coat pocket. But more of that later. <laughs> This is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> you're lucky. Someone you from me the Jew mills have done D. <laughs> but, but you're right. You're right. You know. You know. Be nice and be, be yeah. the kind of person that, that people want to work with. Yeah. Um, and and as much as it is about getting in there and being able to do the job in hand and. And what I meant by being lucky was because I know that there are many other people that can do what I do. There are many other people that can get behind a microphone. Many other people that are better qualified to get on stage at Panto. Many other people can do this, do that, all of the sort of facets in my career. However, you know, you've just got to make it work and, and respect the job that you're doing and, and respect the people that you're working around and and just don't be an arsehole. And it's... um. And Talking, it's surprising. Yeah, well, it's yeah. surprising how many arseholes there are just wandering around at large, not naming names. Yeah. There she yeah. is. <laughs> Who is the biggest a-hole that you've worked with, Janice? Who's, who's the biggest? Who, who is, like, have you ever done an interview and you just thought, really, I, I wish nothing but harm on you. You've been difficult, you've been late, or it's maybe someone that, because I, I would imagine, I, I've done Panto once in, in with John, do you know a guy, John Hannibal? He does all the voiceovers for... Oh, STV. I know John from from STV. Yeah. We, we did Weems Bay together. He was the voice of of Wild Thing, this massive it, animatronic puppet. John's yeah. brilliant. Well, we hated each other at the audition tonight. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> despised each other. And the laugh was we were ugly sisters, right? And I remember on day one, and he just looked at me and looked, at, and I looked at him, and I went, "Look, I'm not thrilled. I'm with you." And he went, "Well, I, it's reciprocal." And I kid you not. See, after three months in Motherwell, I mean, mm-hmm. that is like you know. Bosnia on acid and we have remained great friends (laughs) but we worked with some people in that and quite frankly like if I saw them and there were no speed cameras I'd speed up and put them out of the world's misery (laughs) because they were twats I'm trying to think now I'm going to go into the Panto archive who's in Motherwell (laughs) Bruce Devlin and John Hannah 2008 Cinderella (laughs) 2008 Spillers Pantos (laughs) 
<laughs> it is hard um, to, because there are there's all people that we don't necessarily like working with but we can't we, I mean we can be honest but we can't be that honest but, because we've got career limiting honesty that's our problem half the time well that's very true but being in the hot house that is panto like a lot of people were like Bruce you'll love being in panto because you're in a dress from nine o'clock in the morning I'm like I'm not a drag queen this really isn't my thing <laughs> particularly as well because in the you know at nine o'clock in the morning you've got the school kids and then in the afternoon you have, shall we just say, the great unwashed. And then in the evening you've got the families. <laughs> and it's it's a long day. It's tough work. Um, it really, really is Three difficult. Three show days. Oh, my we've God. We've never done them in Edinburgh. We've never done them. And we've... You know, Alan in particular has fought against doing the, the three show day thing because I don't think anybody benefits because I don't think the audience would get a no. great show because you're all confused. You don't know where you are. You're not on the balls of your feet. Oh, you're, we did, but then know. we were professionals. But, you know, I mean, it's not for everyone. <laughs> but it is, but it's the same as... End scene. It's the, end, it's the same as stand-up. If you do two or three shows or four shows, like, you just by the end of it, you don't know what your bloody name yeah. is. But yeah. that's an interesting thing when you were saying, because I disagreed with you. Remember? Do you remember back? Backstage at the stand when you tried stand up and you were like, I don't mm. want to do this and I never want to do it again and I'm absolutely dreadful. <laughs> yes. But well, you- Jojo said it hasn't held me back, stick in. <laughs> 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 but yeah. but I I disagreed with you entirely. You were a natural yeah. storyteller you, you, on stage. You were lovely. And and I think it's very different. And and when I did my what led what went what that led to was my show at the fringe Tales from Behind the Mic, mm-hmm. which is quite possibly one of the things I'm most proud of of doing because it's it was really mine. It was mm-hmm. it was something that it was all my material. I pretty much wrote it myself and were it not for Karen Corrin uh, uh, kicking my backside and putting me on, on in that room, it would it would probably have never seen the light of day. But it was it was the most satisfying and rewarding, sort of one of the most satisfying and rewarding projects I've ever been involved in. And again, it only came about by by fluke, by chance. Andy and I had been working at the Fringe before that. We'd done a couple of years doing doing plays, and then he got cast in River City. Dates clashed, and he said, "Look." not going to be able to do The Fringe this year. And I says, look, I'm fine with that. I'll just take the year out and it'll all be hunky-dory. Karen Corrin phones up. She goes, Andy just tells me you're not doing The River City. You're not doing uh, The Fringe this year. I'm like, that's right. He's doing River City. She goes, well, that leaves you to do something on your own then. And I'm like, I don't know what I can, you're going to do that show where you tell all those funny stories about being on the radio. I'm like, oh, Karen, no, no, I can't. And, and that's and she that put was you where, in the where it all came from. <laughs> she kicked my arse, got me on the stage. But the one thing I will say is I was I never ever viewed myself as a stand-up uh comedian. And that's that's a, that is that is I talk about oh I would never not do anything because I was too scared. I would never do a stand-up uh set because I am absolutely shit in a brick about I would never expose myself like that. I could never ever step out. Um, with only a, a microphone stand for protection, um, whereas with Tales from Behind the Mic, it was pretty much scripted and thought out. It was it was a show. It was it was you know there was a narrative. I knew exactly what I was saying. I'd learnt my lines. Mm-hmm. Whereas stand up, as as you guys know, is a completely different world. So uh, I never ever viewed that as a stand up show, but it was uh, it was as, as near as damn it as I ever got to. But I loved it. Um, well, and as well, talking of Edinburgh, are you what are you doing? Are you doing anything this year? No, uh, we'll be back filming River City at the end of June, so uh, ah. that takes me out of the equation. However, we do have, there was, again, it's going back to Andy, but we, we um, Andy and I w- were working on a play, because every year we went to the Fringe, you know, to try and find a play for two guys of a certain age, mm-hmm. 
it's not easy, right? There's not a lot, there's not a wealth of material out there. Um, so we often had to get stuff written for ourselves. So Ian Patterson wrote us something. We, we got a play from uh, Phil Differ, and um, and we started thinking about once Andy was was th- was going through his cancer situation. I said, I said, you got to start writing down all these funny moments that happen when you, with what you're going through. So anyway, so we started doing that, and and, says, and he says, "There's a play in this. There's, there's a play in this journey that I'm on." Um, and so we decided to 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 make this our, our return to the fringe. This was going to be our project. We brought in Alan McHugh, who's who's a writer, and Andy and him particularly worked very closely and created a script. And we worked on it over lockdown like this. We did it across Zoom. We did a couple of readings. Alan went away and did rewrites. And the plan was that we would come back to the fringe and do this play. And we we had a title that Andy's partner Tamara came up with called Chemo Savvy. Oh, brilliant. And it was about, about these two guys, two brothers who become estranged. And, and Andy was keen to say, it's based on my experiences, but not my story. So it's two brothers who became estranged, had fallen out over the death of their mother many years before, come back together because one had been diagnosed with cancer and uh, the other could have been a blood donor. But the other one was going to be playing all the multi-characters. So this is where the comedy element was going to come in. So it was a pretty good nick and it was well, quite far down the line uh, when... Sadly, we lost Andy. So I ended up speaking to Alan McHugh because we, we have this play and Andy felt so passionately about it. It was very much his, you know, passion project. I feel we should still do this. Mm-hmm. So the plan is we're going to recast it and we're going to put it on next year at the Fringe and uh, I'll kind of help produce it, but, you know, uh, leave so it to you won't, the So you cast. won't be in it? No. That would, that would be too hard, wouldn't it? That would be too hard. It would just, it just would be all, all out of sync. Yeah. And I think what it needs is a, sort of fresh, mm-hmm. two fresh performances from two. And, and the one thing that we've all agreed on, and this is including Claire and his daughter and Tamara, um, is that whoever comes to the project has to be a mate of Andy's mm-hmm. and has to get what this is all about and get why this is, this is going to be a special run. So Karen <clears throat> was originally going to do it this year, but, um, we weren't ready. The script needed rewritten and, and certain bits. So we've delayed it a year. So we're going to do it next year. And that'll be, a, that'll be the, that'll be ours and Karen's and the festival's big tribute to Andy. We'll do a big gala night for, for him fantastic. as well during the run. So, uh, yeah, that'll be our, our project next year. A book. Are you thinking about writing a book? <laughs> I would love to write a book. I would love to just have a book on the table mm. with my name on the spine, you know, just having written Grant Stott. There's a guy in America called Grant Stott who's Rude. written a couple of books. Yeah, I know. He's a writer. And I've always fancied just ordering his books and just leave them around. <laughs> leave them lying around the house. <laughs> yes, that was my um, deep dive into the history of the Antarctic uh, that I did back in 1978. Um, but no, I would love to, to write a book, but I don't know what it would be about. I don't know how I would do it. And I don't know when I would, I think I've got this, this idea. I'd be like James Cannon and misery. I think the only way I could go and write a book is just to take off to the Hills with my typewriter, my bottle of Dom Perignon and my one cigarette when I'm finished. That's, you, I, always am, I am always impressed by the amount of people that do find the time to write a book. The amount of people that are all booking lockdown, I was really annoyed. Were you? You were quite annoyed in lockdown. But we'll move on. Um, I more see you penning, I more see you penning a pamphlet in Seton Sands. 
Yes, mm-hmm. you know, in you the caravan with a bottle of uh, <laughs> Strongbow. I've, I've played caravan parks before, don't you know? Oh, so, so you have I, but not for reasons of entertainment. <laughs> I was on the fondue committee. <laughs> you are incorrigible, Devin, so you are. Oh, thank you so much, Grant. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on our bloody daft podcast. Well, not that he's <laughs> taken it seriously. He's been more interested in his wrist, frankly. No, because because it keeps shouting out. It keeps, it keeps shouting out. There's more money in your account, right? <laughs> I really hope you're exposed for the fraud you are one day. <laughs> have you not taken my role very seriously? I've got microphones to buy, don't you know? Oh, I've got to investigate one. Because um, I ordered a microphone from Amazon, but it's not turned up. It was the same with the ring light, but it wasn't for that ring. Is Amazon uh-huh. taking it? <laughs> But that's wish for you. <laughs> Can't have what you want. <laughs> and Amazon's taken against you as well. Yes, oh, exactly. The whole world's against you, Bruce. <laughs> uh, Grant, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. So lovely well, to be on. Hope I didn't bore you too no, much. No, not at oh, all. I'm absolutely. fine. I'm going to have a coffee, but thanks. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Grant. That was great. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 